see you. I'm glad that you are here. Welcome to the porch. Um, so we are in the second week of our series called At the Table, um, At the Table, and we're talking today about the blessing. The blessing. Grace, she's been dead for 30 years now. So, so if we're talking about the table and we're talking about a blessing, uh, we must be talking about food, right? Ooh. Can y'all see that? You see that? Beautiful, beautiful bread. But there's, so there's this particular food that's a staple at just about every type of table in just about every type of uh, culture. There, there is a staple at just about every single one, and it's some type of bread, some type of bread. And... Um, the Chinese culture has the, the bao buns, right? The sticky buns, the sweet sticky buns. Um, the Mexican culture has their tortillas. So if you want to get really, you could even get sopapillas or mm, those are really good. In the French culture, baguettes, huahong. Hmm? <laughs> I got some in my throat. Okay. Um, focaccia bread in Italy or uh, naan from India. Um, and then there's the culture of the South, and that's cornbread and biscuits, um, and which made me think, like, if you're from, like, Iowa or something, it's probably just, like, Wonder Bread or something. I don't know. Um, but then there is, sorry, Sue. Um, <laughs> there is, this is called challah. It's, it's a Jewish bread. It's a, it's a beautiful Jewish bread, and it is uh, used ceremonially, and it's also shared as a meal. But here's what I think is really interesting as we talk about the blessing today is that bread's commonness, right? It's, it's just there. Bread's commonness is this perfect metaphor for the scriptures. Perfect meta metaphor for the scriptures. Because see, in the Old Testament, bread is used as a picture of, of, of the Lord. It's used as God's self-revelation. It's uh, when God is speaking, they refer to it as bread from heaven, right? Manna, this sustenance that's brought. Jesus in the New Testament referred to himself as the bread of life, right? Bread. Now, there are three different times in the Gospel of Luke, which is where we're going to be today. Three different times in the Gospel of Luke, three different scenarios, situations. We looked at one last week where he Jesus takes bread into his hands, and then in all three of those scenarios, he does the same three things in those different scenarios. In, in Luke chapter 9, that's our text today, we'll be in chapter 9, it's where um, the bread is blessed and miraculously multiplied. I'll tell you the three things that he does in a moment. In Luke 22, it's the Last Supper account. And then in Luke 24, we talked about it last week, is where the resurrected Jesus reveals himself to his disciples and in all three of those scenarios, with bread as the, the common centerpiece, he does three, the, three of the same things. He, this isn't one of the three. I could have said he does four, but three is always the best number for church. So anyway, so, but in all three, he has the bread in his hands, and then he blesses the bread, and then he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread. 
He blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread. Three different stories, three different surrounding things happening, and yet he does this. He blesses, he breaks, and he gives. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10, I'm going to read you from the Common English Bible translation. It says, when the apostles returned, they described for Jesus what they had done. So they had been doing ministry in his name. Taking them with him, Jesus withdrew privately to, uh, sorry, I lost my thought, withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. All right, so they had been doing ministry, they came back together, and Jesus took them and they, they went away privately. That, that point privately is important because they wanted to withdraw a little bit, to get away for a moment, to recoup, you know. It says in verse 11, when the crowds figured it out, they followed him. They wanted to go where Jesus was going. He welcomed them because that's what Jesus does. Not what we always do, but that's what Jesus does. Jesus welcomed them. He spoke to them about God's kingdom, and he healed those who were sick. Now, when the day was almost over, the 12, the disciples, they came to him, and they said, send the crowd away. Send the crowd away so that they can go to the nearby villages and the countryside and find lodging and food because we are in a deserted place. There is nothing around here. All right, what we need to, to be comfortable, I mean, you talk about food and lodging, you start about food and shelter, that gets down to really some of the basics of what we need in our world to, to make it. And they're saying, we don't have any of that here. We're in a deserted place. And Jesus' response to them in verse 13, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. But they said, we, we have no more than five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and we buy food for all these people, and then it tells us the people, well, it tells us the people that they counted at the time, which was the dudes. They said this because about 5,000 men were present, which means there were more than that. Jesus said to his disciples, seat them in groups of about 50. All right, so you're think there's at least 100 groups now circling up out there in this deserted place where there's nothing, no lodging, no, no food source coming. You've got these, these groups that are they're gathered together, at least 100 of them. Verse 15, they did so. Everyone was seated. He, Jesus, took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed them and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate until they were full, and the disciples filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. Verse 16 says, He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Blessed, broken, and given. It took a deserted place. Those three words took a deserted place and made it this place of abundance. Those three words took a, a place. It, it changed that moment from a moment of need to we got to do something with all these people um, or, to a, a feast. 
with leftovers. Those three words, blessed, broken, and given. So what I want to do today is starting with this word blessed, is just take a moment and look at these words a little bit more deeply. Blessed. Blessed. So in some circles, um, this, is a, this is a very churchy word, okay? Very churchy word. We, it, you know, we may think uh, when we talk about being blessed, you know, we think like prosperity. You know, we have, what, we have stuff. We have, maybe we have stuff we've always wanted, you know? So it's more like, you know, my dream came, my wish came true. I'm blessed. You know, um, you know, we might think it means like that, that prosperity. It might mean, you know, I'm blessed because I don't have any worries. I don't have any, I don't have any major, there's no major drama going on right now. Who blessed? Right, that might be how we view it, right? It might be like everything's worked out. Like, I, I didn't know how, but ooh, it worked out, I'm blessed, you know. Um, that, that might be how we view things. We may struggle with really understanding it, how to use the word blessed. Some of you might be so aware of how we get it wrong that you don't even like to use the word because you don't want to misuse it. Um, this Orthodox uh, theologian, he, he, he passed, I think in, I don't know when he passed, 90s, 80s, anyway. Alexander Schneeman, Schmeeman, excuse me. He says this, he wrote this, he said, God blesses everything he creates. God blesses everything he creates. And in biblical language, this means that he makes all of creation the sign and the means of his presence and wisdom, love, and revelation. God blesses everything he creates. Everything in this world was made to be a sign that points people to God. Everything, us included. Everything that he, and so he blesses that. This is, this is what God does. The psalmist wrote about this all the time. The psalmist wrote, they, they, would, they would look out at things like a lunar eclipse like we did last week. Or they would look at the, the stars and the moon and the, the mountains and the rivers and all these things. And then they would go and write poems about it and they would put, they would put music to it. And they would write about this stuff all the time and, and say things like the whole earth is full of God's glory. God blesses everything he creates. Now, the word blessed in the Greek is this word ulageo. Ulageo, I think it's up there. Okay, ulageo. And it means to speak well of. U is well and, and then logos is the word, all right, to speak or a word. Ulegeo means to speak well of. And the same word, now here's what's interesting to me, because the same word that, that is translated into the Greek, which ends up getting into our English, we, we find it there, the same word that Jesus uses, uh, the, the same word used to describe Jesus' blessing, is what I mean, in all the, three of these accounts in Luke, that same ulegeo, when you translate it over into Hebrew, into the Old Testament language, what you find is this. So, so Jesus is just blessing some bread. Just blessing some bread. Okay, so what Jesus, that's good. We say the blessing at the table, right? Okay, but here's what we find in the Old Testament when you talk about blessing. It's the same word that is used when God blesses Adam and Eve in the garden. Tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so it's not just about, hey, thanks for the food. It's the same word 
that's used in the Old Testament for when God blesses the seventh day, the Sabbath. Same word. It's the same word for blessing that we have when God blesses Noah and the, and the salvific work that happens through that. It's the same word that, that is used when God blesses Abraham. It's the same word that's used when God blesses Isaac and Jacob and so on and so on and so on. So this word means a lot more than thanks for the grub. So blessed is understanding that you are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. You are created for his glory. You are created for his purpose. You are created. God has spoken over you a blessing just as he has bread and Moses and Abraham and Adam and Eve. Creation itself. You've been blessed. That's what it means. Your life is meant to point people, as Shmeman says, to point people to God. So we've been blessed. So Jesus blessed in, in Luke chapter 9. He blessed the bread. And Jesus did something else, and he broke the bread. So let's talk about broken for a moment. Now, when we talk about the word broken, and in regard to like, uh, you know, us as people, as, as human beings. I mean, because stuff breaks, sure. But I'm talking about us as, as created, uh, created beings. There's a couple of different ways that we break. <laughs> right? The first one is that we're just, we're just frail. It's like the frailty of our life. The fact that we are a finite human being. Right? Stuff breaks. We break. When I reach my limitation... I break, <laughs> right? When, when, you know, physically, sometimes our bodies, our, they have limits. Emotionally, we can be so overwhelmed that we actually have a term for it, an emotional breakdown. We break down. I can feel real broken sometimes, okay? I'm, we're, we're frail. We're, we're finite beings. So there's, there's a kind of brokenness in that that we just, we need to recognize, Okay. Then there's, also, there's another kind of brokenness, and that is more centered on just the fact that we fail, failure, the brokenness of failure. And what I mean by failure is that we fail to live up to the, the standard that God has for us. Let's just say it better, when we sin. Brokenness happens because of sin in our lives. When we knowingly sin, sometimes not that we look back and go, oh no, I sinned, but sometimes when we willingly sin, that kind of brokenness is, is present in our life. Sometimes the, the, you know, the, the sin of where we have just fallen short. So there's that kind of a brokenness in the world. And I'm going to get to what Jesus speaks to this in a second. But there's another kind of brokenness, and that is just kind of the overarching, in general, fallenness of the world. See, there's the sin that you and I, we struggle with, and we, we, we commit, and then you know, we feel bad about it, and we repent of it. Hopefully we confess it to God, and we repent of it, and, and we try to move beyond that. But then there's just the overall fallenness that has occurred all the way back into the garden. And that's a brokenness. 
That's a, that's a brokenness. I mean, you read the scriptures and it says that, that Jesus will return again and that's when everything will finally be made whole. We're living in the in-between. The now and the not yet. But there's this, this, this fallenness, right? And so what happens is, is that we experience things like tragedy. Tragedy. That, that we... we we or, or someone on, we see on the news or someone we know is dealing with extreme suffering. Not of their own hand. Not of their own doing. Right? You, you read about or see injustice happen. And that is a fallenness that has happened in the world. And we can be broken by that. Sometimes the sinful failure of others, right, that second kind of brokenness, or the sinful failure of your own life, it wrecks your life in such a way that you find yourself repeatedly broken. It, it, it manifests itself into a, a bigger thing. The fallenness comes into play. And here's what happens in that state of fallenness, that, that broken state of fallenness, is that you see glimpses of, of God's beauty, you see glimpses, glimpses of his glory um, in the world, but it, it's clouded. It's clouded by, by failure. It's clouded by sin. And it ends up being just this dim reflection of what it was intended to be. That's the not yet that we live in. Here's the thing, though. And this is, this is where I want to make a little turn. Is that every kind of brokenness can be placed into the hands of Jesus and they can become something glorious. Every kind of brokenness. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again because our frailty and our failure and the fallenness that we live in can make us numb. It can make us deaf. It can make us hard-hearted to truthful statements like this. And the enemy does not want you to hear truth so I will say it again. I'll say it a little bit louder. Every kind of brokenness. Every kind of brokenness in your life can be placed into the hands of Jesus to become something glorious. Our frailty our failure, our fallenness can be placed into his hands. They can become something different than what we thought they were, and they can be used for his glory. Because listen, to be broken is to be opened up. To be broken is to be opened up to the grace of God. To be broken is to have that happen. You know when you go to a restaurant, and if it's real fancy, they have bread service, right? Right? And imagine, like, you don't have to imagine, you, you, you go to the restaurant and there is the bread. You know, it's this beautiful loaf, a beautiful loaf of bread, fresh, warm, you know. And if it's a really fancy place, then they might have some butter. I didn't have any butter with me, right? Or oil, some, some herbs, you know, something fancy, maybe a little cheese or something. You have this glorious loaf and, and something to, to add to the bread. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> you can, um, 
go to the restaurant and you can take bread into your hands and you can break the bread, right? Now, if we're a weirdo, we don't break it, we keep it whole, they bring us the fancy schmancy oil and we like dip it in there and then just kind of you know, eat it. Like, Wouldn't that be weird? You know, or they bring you the butter and you just get a knife and you just slather it like over the top of the bread. I mean, some of us have done that, let's be honest. But like normally, like, but listen, we, you know where, I hope you know where I'm going with this. If you want to soak in the butter, that oil, whatever herbs, whatever stuff they have there, you break it, don't you? You break it. You break it, you tear it into pieces, and you, and you dip it in, and oh man, is anyone hungry? I mean, I'm not going to throw it out there like it's a t-shirt or something, I mean, just, but you, listen, if we want to take in what has been presented to us at the table, we know what to do with bread, we break it. Because now it's opened up and there's, it's like little air pockets in here. It's like porous. It's just ready to soak in whatever is added to it. To be broken, porch community. To be broken like this bread is to be opened up to the grace of God. To be broken like this is to be opened up to the grace of God. For us to be in a, in a place, in a position to receive. You've got to be broken. To be able to take in his goodness. To be able to take in, to, to soak in all of his mercy and his grace and his restitution and his redemption. We need to be broken in that. Some of us are walking around and and, and I mean, it looks, might look good, but it's not as able to receive. See, the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel is that Jesus is not afraid of our brokenness. Jesus is not afraid of our brokenness, of the frailty, of the failure, or even the overarching fallenness of it all. He's not afraid of it. Jesus doesn't look at us and go, you know, come back later. Go, go clean that up a little bit. You know, put your pieces back together, Humpty Dumpty, and come and then, and then come and sit with me at the table. He didn't say that. that. That's not how Jesus operates. He says, no, no, I'm with you, and I am so good. I am so loving. I am so powerful. I am with you in the breaking, I am there. I am ready for you to say, here I am, Lord. I'm with you. You don't have to search for me or try and find me. I'm there. And the grace of God comes flooding in. And I know when we talk about things like breaking and sin and frailty and failure that if you're even halfway paying attention, that you might start thinking about mistakes that you've made right? That um, choices you've made that you really wish, wish that you could remove, you could take away. And you might be thinking, you might be tempted to think, I am so broken. I am so broken. I don't know how to recover 
from this. I don't know how to recover from this kind of brokenness. All that's left of me are broken pieces. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm at crumbs here, Shannon. That's, that's how broken I am. You put... You take your broken pieces and would you put them in the hands of Jesus? Crumbs and all. Take those. Take it. Take the broken pieces and put them in the hands of Jesus because by his power, by his grace, you will become something completely different. You can glorify him with your life that has now been made whole. And I promise you this because God promises you this. He promises you this. Put the broken pieces. Give him the broken pieces. Let him have the broken pieces. Here's the thing about the breaking of the bread. Bread that's not broken cannot be shared. If you want to share this loaf, you break it. You tear pieces off. Bread that's not broken cannot be shared, which leads us into that third thing that we find Jesus doing repeatedly, several different times, because he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and then he gives the bread. He shares the bread. This is what he does with actual bread and we're we're translating it into how do we live this out as believers in the hands of jesus you're blessed in the hands of jesus your brokenness is 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 safe and in the hands of jesus you're able to be given given i want you to see something again in in verse 16 of luke 9 um I'll read it again. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke them, and gave them to the people? No. What does it say? He gave them to who? The disciples. He gave them to the disciples. I don't know. I'm, my brain's weird. I don't know if you've ever done this. But have you ever thought, okay, Jesus, if you could do the miracle of the multiplication, couldn't you have handled the miracle of the distribution like did you really need like to, your disciples to do this? Like, couldn't you have just been like, okay, they're in groups of 50, poof, you know, and then there's suddenly bread and fish for all to eat. He didn't do that. I mean, he did the miracle of multiplication. And then he multiplied it, and then he said, okay, hand it out. He gave it to them to hand out. Because, I mean, that's just not God's way to just always just do something like that. What you read over and over and over again through the scriptures is that God actually wants there to be a middleman. He actually wants us to be part of what he's doing, is what I mean by that. He's chosen to involve us in his work. He wants us to be involved. He has chosen to have us participate in him blessing other people. He wants us to be a part of this. I mean, Jesus performs the, the miracle of multiplication, and then he has his disciples hand out the results of that miracle. And you've got to think in your mind, as the disciples, because there were 12 of them, were handing out 
this, this miraculous multiplication, and they're going to 100 different groups, at least, that every time they, I mean, can you imagine, I don't know if they had baskets or how they were holding all this stuff, but with every group they were going to, you have to imagine they're going, this is miraculous. Like this, how is this possible? How, I'm handing out, like this, is, this doesn't compute in my brain, right? The, how, how do we do this? Like he blessed this, he broke it, and now I'm giving out over and over and over and above what, was, what he had before. This, this is crazy. Like, I'm, uh, what's going on? Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Porch community, Jesus has called you to be part of the giving, just like he has with the, with the disciples. He wants you to be part of the giving. Jesus has called you to join him, to, to come alongside of him, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. This is what he wants you to do. So when you are tempted to disqualify yourself from being used by him, remember that you're blessed. Remember that you are, in fact, blessed. He has created you to glorify him. That's what it means. You're blessed. And when you're tempted to wonder if this difficult time that you're in right now, whether of your own doing, <laughs> or maybe the fallenness of this world, but if you wonder that if this difficult time means that you're no longer worthy of or capable of being useful to God, remember this, that he too was broken. He was broken. And in his hands, broken things are opened up and transformed, and they're intended to be given, and they're made whole. So what God wants from us is like this willingness to be part of his giving. So see, when you look at something like this bread... Man, I want to eat this bread, but I'm trying to stay away from carbs. Why don't you do a message on bread, Shannon? I mean, it's just bread, right? It's just bread. But don't you relate? to the many different ways I've been describing this bread today. It's common, pretty common. Broken. Meant for not to just be consumed by one person, which let's be honest, some of us could sit down and eat a whole loaf of bread, but it's supposed to be shared. And so to me, it's absolutely no wonder. And we celebrated communion last week. We're not going to have communion today. But it's no wonder that he took that loaf on that night. It's no wonder that he broke that bread again. That he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. He 
wanted them to see it. He wanted them to understand it. That, that See, the thing about it is I've created a lot of crumbs since I've been up here talking. And what I love is that every single crumb that has fallen down here in relation to my life, when I said, Lord, I need you, I'm not doing a very good job of holding this thing together. Here's my life. That he didn't just take the, 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 the big pieces that he was able to hold on to. But he took every single crumb. He said, I'm going to use this. This is what he wants to do for you. This is what he wants to do for us. We were blessed. We are blessed. And the brokenness comes in a lot of different ways, but when you get down to it, we sin. We mess up. But there's opportunity to be made whole. There's opportunity to soak in God's goodness, to be receptive to what he's going to do. Because a hard heart, a stubborn heart, it's going to be like the outside. It's going to be like some of that bread. If you've ever been to Europe, it's like it'll take your teeth out trying to eat it because it's so hard on the outside. And you just hope maybe if I get in the inside that there'll be something I can eat. I'm going into something about bread I wasn't planning on. But I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about not just the outside we want he, we want God to we want him to be able to get into the inside and let him have us and work in us and redeem us and restore us so that whenever somebody gets up and talks about brokenness and our frailty and our failure we don't sit there and go please stop talking about what I am struggling with right now and instead we go whoo praise the lord I have moved beyond that what you're talking about right now Blessed, broken, given, given. It's not just so that we can say, which is, it is beautiful and wonderful. Oh, God has redeemed me, has restored me through Jesus Christ. It is, that is phenomenal. But Jesus repeatedly gives us a, a, an example to follow when he also says we are to be given. So as Jesus gave his life, we are to give ours. And you know, this might not seem like giving your life, but it's an example of the giving that we should do. It's why we do things like the Christmas impact that you heard Kristen mentioned earlier. It's why we do those kinds of things because we know we've been blessed and it's in our recognition of our brokenness that we surrender to Jesus and we live like we are given out for the sake of the gospel, like we are living so that others may know him because we want to point people to him. That's our purpose. So that people may see Christ in us, that people may see Christ through us. Well, we do it. If you haven't been here during uh, this season before, Christmas impact is it's just one of the ways that we're committed to, to our community. One way. We partner with Lowndes County Schools. They identify some, some families and students who are in need. We give them a, a little clothing list and a, and a few little items that we try to do. This isn't the only way we live like we're given, Okay. 
but it's just it's one little way and it and here's the thing i want to tell you this some of you know this but it's actually a double blessing our christmas impact it's a it's like a double blessing double giving opportunity because i already mentioned there's 82 young people identified right from our community and they're represented by backpacks that are in the lobby they have their name attached to them See, we purchased these, backs, these backpacks from the Mailbox Club, which is a community ministry partner. They do ministry all over the world. Now, the backstory on the backpacks is that these backpacks are made by women from other countries who have been rescued from the sex trade and other abusive conditions. And they're given these really meaningful, purposeful jobs where they can actually earn a, a, an income, a living, they can provide for themselves, and they do that by making the backpacks. That's what they do. Listen, though the culture that they live in says that they are broken and that they are irreparable, <laughs> Jesus says, no, you're blessed. I've created you. You can glorify me. You can live a life that glorifies me. That's what he does. He says, no, I'm going to take your brokenness and I'm going to turn it into wholeness and I'm, going to, and I'm going to use this as a testimony and opportunity. So when you purchase a backpack to put items in for a, a young person in our community, you're also blessing someone somewhere across this globe. So after the service, you can, you can purchase your backpack through the app. And then you can go to the lobby and pick it up. When you show them you've, you've purchased it, you can do that. Now, here's one more thing I want to mention, okay? You may have noticed, if you're one of those people that notices stuff that goes on, that the light's on in the baptismal, which means that we have a baptism. Yeah, I see people going, see, I told you. Yeah, you got it. We have a baptism. I love our baptisms. I love the witness that it is. I love the testimony that it brings. Baptism, baptism signifies another means of pointing people to God. That's what it does. That the immersing in the water, the going under the water, it signifies death and then new life. So it represents a breaking and then the wholeness and the newness, the blessing. So as we think about the baptism... It's in our recognition of our brokenness that we surrender to Christ. That we come before him, that we live like we are given out for the sake of the gospel so that other people know. That's why, profession, why baptism is such a beautiful profession of our faith. It's testifying to the goodness of God so that others may see Christ in and through us. So if baptism is something that you are interested in, please contact me. Let me know. Let Justin know. Kristen know. Let us know. We want to know. We, we want to make that happen for you. Friends, we are blessed. We are broken. And we're given. Jesus has given us this example at the table. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the blessing. Lord, thank you for the breaking Thank you, Lord, for giving your son, Jesus. 
Thank you for the healing and the wholeness that you bring to our brokenness. May we live now as a blessing. May we live as if we are given to the world around us so that others may know you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.